2: Purple Daily is Daily Vikings entertainment. Want to, want to, we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. I will ride with this group. Seriously, man.
1: Please. And away we go.
0: And welcome into Purple Access, actually, which of course is an extension of the Purple Daily family. We record this show once a week. Uh, some weeks it's it's Chip Scoggins of the Star Tribune, and other weeks, as it is this one, it is my good friend Tyler Fornes, vikingswire.com, which is where you can also find my columns, but it is basically, especially this time of year when there's a ton of stuff going on and there's more coming, uh, it's your one-stop shopping for Vikings information, news, and analysis. Forno does a fantastic job with his staff as well. Judd, Tyler, Ross, Brendel, um, and Tyler, I want to start you with this one. So the last time we talked to you before you went down to uh, Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl, um, and we're yet to get to the Combine, like things are starting to heat up, but they're not really officially heated up yet. I want to talk to you about the your views of the perceptions of the quarterbacks, which seem to be changing a ton, and like Drake may... I think a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, it's just like, okay, Caleb Williams, one Drake may two, Mm -hmm. uh, Jaden Daniels three. And before we even get to the combine, which is where we get the testing and just a lot of stuff that can change uh, draft perceptions and opinions. What's your thought process on what seems to be a changing landscape on a position when we don't really know a ton yet. That's changed from the end of the college football season.
1: It's very interesting, right? It's people really diving into the all 22 and diving into the analytical data to kind of support what the film does or doesn't tell you and the more people are taking the time to really dive into it especially people like myself you know I do cover the world of college football but I don't really dive in hard into tape until like mid to end of December and then into January and I just watched Caleb Williams this week because I was trying to like space out the quarterbacks at least a little bit you know, for uh, my YouTube channel, Vikings first in school, just because I don't want to just burn everything off right away. And then really don't have a lot of like, uh, I don't know, meat on the bone per se for sure. like the future. I just don't want to burn through all of it. So sure. The more people are diving in and then the more real takes you have. I remember last year I said, Bryce Young has it in December. And then once I dove into the all 22, I realized, okay, He's got the moxie. He's got all this, but there is no real athletic trait that he can rely on Uh, a game changer, a something that he can go to, to get himself out of, out of jams. And that manifested itself in a really big way in Carolina this past year. And you look at CJ Stroud, who had just really good arm talent. And he was able to take the Texans to a division title. And the more information you have, the better your evaluations can be. And things can change based on new data. So one of the things I've noticed is Drake May is basically being buried uh, kind of across a a lot of the media. And I don't necessarily mean they're just saying, oh, he's not even a first round pick. He's being talked about as maybe QB four behind McCarthy. Drake May is my quarterback one. And some of the data points that were being talked about is, well, he's really poor under pressure. The one thing you have to ask yourself whenever you see a piece of analytical data is why, what on film shows you that he's bad at it. What on film shows you that this data point tracks hundred percent. You have to contextualize it. Sure. Like if he's under pressure and he only completes, I think it was like 36.8% of his passes. Well, why, why is he only completing that few? How many of them are throwaways? Does that number actually include throwaways? Because May throws away the ball a decent amount, but he also has to play hero ball because the defense isn't very good and the offensive line is suspect. So there are a lot of data points that you really have to consider and you have to contextualize, which is why it's so important that you use analytical data and the film. If you are only using one and not the other, you are doing yourself and your audience a major disservice because they both matter, but you can't only use one. And it's like making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but missing either the peanut butter or the jelly. Mm -hmm. It's not a PB and J then it's a different type of sandwich. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the process you have to use. And I think you're going to see a lot of ebbs and flows and you're going to have a lot of information coming out. And you have to remember this. My wife actually mentioned it earlier today that I've said this a couple times because she's, uh, she's really been listening to a lot of my shows and she's getting into the draft, which God bless America, but it's who's putting this information out there. And why do they want you to know it? Right? Because like it was, there was a Colts writer who I follow, uh, Destin Adams. Nice guy. If a team is telling you that JJ McCarthy is quarterback two on their board, why do they want you to know that is QB one, Jaden Daniels or Drake may, and they want them to fall to that spot. Like there, these are the questions you have to ask yourself. There's a reason why people put information out there and it's so you know it. So what their actual outcome that they want is can happen. It was uh, famously uh, Matt Miller reported in 2017 that the chiefs were targeting a linebacker. I believe it was Jared Davis in round one. They wanted nobody to know they were moving up for Patrick Mahomes. Right. And you have to always ask yourself, and it's it's a i said it the other day on purple daily it's just like politics somebody wants you to know this for a specific reason you have to figure out what that reason is and then you can really dive into what that information means and how true it actually is
0: so when, when it comes to a guy like let's take drake may how much of the perception changing since the end of of the college season is fair. And then like, I mean, we've all seen this, the smoke screens are constant and teams are constantly doing that. I mean, teams are the worst source, unless you've got a source who's a buddy and is not the GM or the coach or a lead official in football operations. Um, The source, those guys are useless because they're never going to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like when, when we look at, the quarterback class and how things have ebbed and flowed and changed what's fair. And what do you think is BS or smoke screens? Uh, So like when may does fall, is that fair at all? Or, or is that just a perception thing? Because the one thing that I, that will happen that I think you have to be careful about too, is this, there will sort of be the outside view of the draft and there, there will be reports about guys and, Um, there'll be things will be, uh, tweeted about guys, but then the reality is what's going on inside the league will be totally different. Mm -hmm. And so how, how much of what we have have been seeing reported can be taken at face value and how much is just really the beginning of laying down the smokescreen
1: process. (sighs) That's a really in-depth question. And let's, let's start by having this conversation. It's really hard to truly believe anything anybody tells you uh, for the exact reasons that you mentioned And Judd, you've been in the business for 30 years. You understand when sources tell you something, there's a reason that they're telling you it and they want you to put it out there for their own agenda. So what I, what I tend to do as an evaluator is I tend to listen to multiple people and then what, how I will parse things out. Let's say hypothetically, Dame Brugler says a Daniel Jeremiah says B. Mel Kuyper says, C, <clears throat> and that they all say different things in the midst of that, you're going to find pieces of the actual truth because likely they're talking to three different people who are telling them therefore three different things mm-hmm. because they want their agenda to be advanced in a certain and specific way. So when it comes to a guy like May, some people are just going to view data points in a much stronger way. Some people are going to view the potential in a stronger or less strong way than others. And quarterbacks are so incredibly difficult to evaluate as a whole. Like we're not going to know for three to four years. If let's say hypothetically may falls, let's just say he falls to 11 and the Vikings take him. Mm -hmm. We're not going to know if that was the right thing for the NFL draft uh, and NFL teams to view, or if it was the wrong thing, we won't know right now. It doesn't look like, like Jordan love should have fallen to 26. It looks like he probably should have been drafted a little bit higher because of some of those high end plays, especially if you look at back end metrics like EPA per play success rate, they're pretty high. And you have to look at things from a much more wide lens because we're not going to know, and especially with quarterbacks, quarterback evaluation is hard. It's really hard. I had Malik. Willis as a top five pick two years ago. I thought that talent was incredible and you could have developed him in the same way to Josh Allen to be able to get that talent out of him. I had Baker Mayfield one Lamar Jackson two, Josh Allen three. And I did not like Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen at all in 2018. I feel pretty comfortable with that last year. CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson one two. feel pretty comfortable about that. But track records are so wonky with this stuff. You could have somebody who loves a guy who stinks one year and hates a guy who was great. And the inverse the next year. So we're not gonna really have the answer if it was the right or wrong decision until we see these guys play multiple years in the league. But I wouldn't pass on May. I would I had him as quarterback one going into the season, I am as quarterback one going out of the season, and all that's based on film and pairing it with the analytical data and trying to contextualize it. If you disagree with me, that's fine. Like that's the but that hasn't play. changed. Yeah, it hasn't changed because I think the film backs it up. And sure. the one interesting thing is this is like going to an art gallery. And you and all three of us and Odie, who's who, who missed me so much while I was getting a car, um, all three of us just have a different view on a Picasso painting. We all right. think it says a different thing. That's the NFL draft. It's so weird that way. And it's also it makes it great because you have so many different opinions with people who are genuinely really smart in this area.
2: Go ahead, Roscoe. Yeah, this question actually is for, for both of you diving in on the quarterbacks and boy you depending on who you listen to again uh steal a line from doogie and and uh tyler you brought this up what is it journalism 101 why is this person lying to me so you've Mm -hmm. heard many things about quarterbacks in this draft is the number that everybody feels comfortable with in the first round regardless of where they're drafted is it four is it five could it still be as many as six quarterbacks six seems high just when you start looking at teams that could need a quarterback but what is the number and then in theory depending on what happens with these guys how how far down the draft board do you think you can be to nab one of the in theory top four quarterbacks
1: so let's go here 2022 and I, I, you're gonna get this reference a lot when you talk about how many guys should go in round one the uh, vegas had the over under on quarterbacks going around one in 2022 at three and a half that was the over under one guy went and it was at 20 to the pittsburgh Steelers and kenny pickett so the one tough thing is like quarterback is the position you need to hit on Uh, you either need to have a good enough guy in a rookie contract or the guy and i think like when we talk about like the last 12 years i know you guys did it the other day on purple daily judd talking about oh how do you get to the super bowl like what like are you like potential goat are you, um, are you on a rookie contract? Or are you that outlier? Well, those outliers, like Matt Stafford was a borderline MVP. Matt Ryan was an MVP. Mm-hmm. Like those are the kind of things that you're looking at. And it makes it so much easier with that quarterback, which is why they get inflated. Like I have Michael Penix Jr. and JJ McCarthy with second round grades. I think McCarthy has incredible upside to be like a top. 10 maybe even borderline top five kind of quarterback with some of the things he's shown but there are real issues there and there are real concerns which to me drops him down but I would still take him in round one it's one of those weird things because quarterbacks such an important position you're willing to take that guy earlier to make sure you get him and if you're that confident in him you just take him no matter what So I don't know how many go uh, ahead Ross
2: sorry Tyler sorry to cut you off but I also think to the importance of what you were talking about with a quarterback Let's say it's whatever GM it is. If you have a second round grade on Penix or J.J. McCarthy, but let's say you can get him at 25 or 26, oftentimes you're going to do that because you get the extra year of control.
1: Yeah, I think that's a little bit less important now than it was in the past, Uh, especially just with the way quarterback contracts are working and how that number is just skyrocketing every year. But I'll say this. Every team on average has between 16 and like 24 first round grades. Nobody ever has 32 first round grades. It just doesn't happen. So you have to be able to, and this is where the combine is so important. As you mentioned, Judd, people talk to each other. The Vikings are going to talk to Kirk Cousins agent. They're not going to just talk about Kirk Cousins. That's not how this works. They ask questions about all kinds of people. No. And they get, they talk to other okay. general managers, scouts talk to each other. I mean, scouts talk to each other on the road all the time. So there's information going around. Uh, analysts will talk to these same people. And that's how you start getting leaks. That's how you start understanding how draft boards are going to be constructed. Right. And you can also see mock drafts change based oh. on these events. So, oh, yeah all of that kind of encompasses and matters but i'll say this when it comes to like quarterbacks i could see four going in round one i could see six and it's all going to depend on how the league feels about these guys and what sense they get from talking to other teams and do they view this guy super highly do they think that they're not going to be able to get him at let's say the vikings want Penix at 42. maybe Penix doesn't fall because they know hey couple teams in the back end of that first round, maybe the Lions love it. Like it's it's all hypothetical. Right. But those are the conversations you have to have. And that's why teams actually do mock draft simulations. So they're prepared for these things. When hey, you have to prepare for a Larry Metunsel gas mask incident. You have to prepare well, what if this guy who's like a top five lock falls? What do we do? Do we try to get aggressive and trade up to like eight to go get him because we believe in him that much? And these are conversations that are had in these rooms. So I to kind of finish off your point ross i don't know how many teams are actually going to take a quarterback in round one i would say four maybe five but there's so many data points we don't have yet and so many that we have to extrapolate and really have the conversation about in this kind of setting because we're going to find out a lot of that stuff at the combine and in the weeks following
2: and five is still essentially one-sixth of the league so think Mm -hmm. about that turnover at that quarterback position now they're not all going to hit but let's say three or four of them hit, that could be obviously franchise changing for whatever team takes that quarterback. Go ahead. Do Jeff. we
0: know who, who's going to throw at the, the combine yet? No. Is anyone going to throw there? Like it's become more of a, you know, because a pro days and you, you can sh- control your receivers and it's at your home field. I'm just curious if, if this class, you know, six guys or so or more are going to throw at the combine.
1: My guess is two of the top quarterbacks will not throw. That's my guess. Um, it wouldn't shock me if guys like Panix or Nick's chose not to throw because they threw extensively at the senior bowl in a not sure. too dissimilar environment. Sure. But if you're one of those guys who's a fringe round one, it's better to throw live in front of more people so you can get more information out there. And you know what? One wild throw can change everything. People talk about the throw day pro or pro day throw with Zach Wilson, and they saw it. The Jets in like, oh, that's our guy. We're taking him like that happens. So that can secure you millions of dollars, but it can also hurt you as well. And that's a, yeah. a risk reward thing. You and your, your camp have to decide. Is it worth it? Or is it worth it? Hey, we believe we're going to get X. So let's just stay with X to make sure that we get it. Like, it's a difficult decision for every quarterback, but they have to weigh it. I would guess two don't throw of the top six. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Roscoe, let's fire up some comments from YouTube so Tyler can answer some questions.
2: You commented, we read it. <laughs> is this a is this a ransom note? Now we're talking about it. It's Purple
1: Access's comments from YouTube.
2: Here we go, boys. I want you both to answer these questions. I'll let you decide who takes it first. Uh, one of four questions we'll whip through today from Ken Mancino, 4074. Some of these will be comments, and I turn them into questions for you. His comment, Vikings have had two Debo Samuels, Percy Harvin and Cordarell or Corderell, however you want to call it, Patterson. My question to you, fair to compare either to Debo? What
1: do you think, for him? An archetype? Yeah, I, I get it. But not everybody who is a receiver that can play in the backfield is a Debo. I think Percy Harvin's about the closest thing that the NFL has ever seen to what Debo Samuel is. Because Samuel is a legit receiver that can come into the backfield and play running back. Cordero was so bad at a lot of the nuances of the wide receiver position that he (laughs) transformed into a running back. So I, I understand the thought process and I understand why. But I would say Percy is of the same archetype and Cordero isn't. And I'll say this, if you want that archetype, Malachi Corley of Western Kentucky, built just like Debo, plays just like Debo, would not shock me if he runs better than Debo. If you want that kind of guy, beg for Malachi Corley. He is really, really, really good. Made the all forno team. And Percy, at at that time, that's 2009, you guys. Like, Mm -hmm. Percy was ahead
0: of his time. Um, But yes, Percy, Debo and Percy... You look at those guys and you say Swiss Army knife, right? Special Cordero. You looked at and said the guy can't run a damn route. Now it's on the Vikings that they didn't say, and, and because we had discussions about should they use him in different uh, positions, are there ways? So, but yeah, I C- Cordero, I give no credit to. He couldn't run a route, and then they're like, what should we do? And he did have freakish a- athletic ability, but Percy Harvin, um, for all his faults and all his troubles, eventually. In football, I mean, that guy was special. And I always thought he was incredibly football smart. I always thought that that, that was a guy, I have no idea if he could pass a, cl- a class at Florida, but I thought when he stepped on the field, that guy was really football smart.
2: Easy cheap shot for me to take one comparison or one thing all three have in common. They both love to get injured and miss time in games or in seasons. Question from Paul Hansen, seventy three twenty nine comment rather it doesn't matter if they keep or trade jj because the vikings will never win the super bowl no matter what the team just wants your money period judd we've talked about this before on before i die but a good question for both of you do the wilfs only want your money and do they not care about winning for now, why don't you go first yeah because
0: oh. i was gonna say i've said this is ridiculous so you you go <sighs> what are we
1: doing what are we doing they (laughs) want to win it it, yes you want to win and they have tried to win you can debate their style if you don't believe that being competitive every year is the best route I used to be team like tear it down I really converted my thinking I kind of like what they're doing in in a vacuum if you're competitive every year then all you need is one year to pop off it's like the 2010 uh, Packers, the 07 giants, you get into the dance and you go on a hot streak and you win the whole thing as a six seed. It's possible to do that. If you, you don't get into the dance, you can't make that run. You can't do it. You can't go into the salary cap era, just begging to go like, like 12 and five, 13 and four every single year, unless you have Patrick Mahomes, it's just not plausible. But if you get into the dance, you can make some noise and, at the end of the day it is still a business they do want your money because that's the whole point of owning a business is to make money so there is a little bit of that to it but the more competitive you are the more money comes in from merch sales from concessions so that does factor And let's be real it does it's you can't say that it's it's a non-factor but you can't get into the super bowl unless you get into the playoffs so consistently competing for a playoff spot is still objectively a good thing because as much skill as it takes to win a Super Bowl, just look at the Vikings history in championship games. It takes a lot of luck too. You have to have things go your way. You have to have all that happen for you. And putting yourself into position to have that run every single year is objectively good. Now you can argue how they've tried to do that is good or bad. That's a whole nother discussion. But in a vacuum, how they've approached it, I do like it. First of all, they want to win. They want to win badly.
0: They uh, built the a stadium w- to win. Well, and and by the way, they have your money. They have it already. It comes in the form of, uh, you know, billion-dollar TV contracts. I mean, there's more, there's more cash coming into the coffers than they know what to do with. So they're absolutely fine there. The one thing where I disagree a little bit with, with you, Tyler, is they don't, I don't think they understand plateaus and stops and starts. So, like, they think every year, let's just be competitive. Well, they've had a few a few years where they were really damn good, and that works. Um, the depth of this franchise right now is so lacking that I don't think they have the ability to look back and say, okay, we do need to do some building here. But as I keep saying, the NFL's not really a tear-it-down league. I mean, the Chicago Bears have torn it down at the studs as much as, as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. They were terrible a year ago. They were much improved this year, and they might be a playoff team in twenty four. So, like, this is not the old five-year plan. We always used to talk about that, right? It's going to take five years to rebuild this thing. The NFL is not based on that now. So, like, this whole notion of tear it down, you you can be back in two years. But, yes, mm-hmm. the Wolves desperately want to make the playoffs. If anything, they're at fault for being too impatient. Some years about
2: how they should go about it. Ross? I think you can also argue they might be too much like all of us sitting here. I don't want to say we're yeah, fans. super fans. We have to be as objective as we possibly can. But heck, they've put so much money into the team, they're kicking the can down the road. It's not yeah. like they're it's not like they're spending just to get to the floor. They're right up against the hard numbers. So yeah, I agree with both of you on that one. From Brinaldi eighty one, this is on our boy Justin Jefferson. Best case, we pay the man. Worst case, we trade him for some nice picks. Win win. Question Are the Vikings actually in the driver's seat when it comes to Justin Jefferson? John, why don't you go first?
0: Not really, no. I think they're in the driver's seat when it comes to Kirk because I, 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 it's very clear that they have a figure in mind and a term in mind there. Justin Jefferson's going to drive his contract, and he's earned that right. This is his second contract. He's mm-hmm. been a star player. This is where guys get filthy rich. Um, so I, I say this with zero begrudgingness towards Justin Jefferson, but he is in, in charge here. Could I see a scenario, very, very small, but could I see a scenario where Jefferson is traded? Yes, absolutely. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we have to worry about it. Um, is that a win-win though? No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to, I, I think it's a stretch to assume right now that if you had had to trade, I mean, you know, let's just say, for now that the Vikings have a number in mind, okay? And, mm-hmm. and they can't get it done. And that they say, okay, we'll trade you. I need to see the return before even saying that it's a draw. So I do, I do not see trading Jefferson, unless it's some unbelievable Herschel Walker return, a win-win. I see it as a win to keep him, and I see it as a as a potential real setback if you decide you can't pay him.
1: What do you got, Porno? <sighs> this, is a, this is a tough one because there's so many pieces of information we don't have. Right. And we don't know what the hang-up was, with their contract negotiations last September that they just weren't able to get the deal done. My guess is it wasn't about the total money. It wasn't about the average per year. It was about how the guarantees work. And I, I don't know what the hangup is. I don't think Quasey is going to look at Justin Jefferson and be like, yeah, I'm not going to make you the highest paid player, non quarterback. I think he's going to, but there's so many layers to it. And I wrote a huge piece about Justin Jefferson's contract last year. uh, Last, I think it was November of 22. Mm -hmm. And I broke down all these receivers that are signing extensions. And only two wide receivers signed a second contract over the course of the past. I think it was like five years that I did it. That were four-year deals. They're signing three-year deals. They're not signing these long-term deals. That could be the hang-up. Jefferson may only want a three-year contract because then he can cash in at the age of 27, 28 instead of 29 to 30. Let me tell you with how these contracts work and all the research I've done, that matters. The age thing matters. Daniel Hunter being at 29 years old is going to get more money on his deal than somebody like Von Miller, who was 32 when he signed his third contract. It matters. So my guess is that's the hangup. How many years is this contract for? And the Vikings want to have lock him in for, five six years probably Jefferson probably only wants three so he can cash in again especially with how significantly higher the salary cap is growing year over year and I highly doubt even though it would be smart to have this conversation so you can lock him in for more years we guarantee that we will make you X amount of the salary cap so if let's say the Vikings are willing to guarantee him 12 percent of the salary cap right now and it's a hypothetical I'm not saying it's a good or bad idea we'll increase your salary to 12 percent of the salary cap in each prior each future year so you will Mm -hmm. at least get those kind of incremental raises so you're not losing out so if it goes up let's say 20 million a year because it's going up around 10 percent a year so 20 million jefferson gets two more million and then he gets another like 2.25 million then he gets another 2.5 million Mm -hmm. like that all adds up and matters and you can justify signing a longer contract if you're getting those kind of incremental raises by guaranteeing a portion of the salary cap. So my guess is those are the conversations that are being had. It's about term and it's about little nuances like that that we really haven't seen. That I'm a little surprised we haven't because it can make both sides happy and you can plan for that.
2: Final one here from Fig Nuts Thirty Five. What an Winf- name, Winfield have to sign him harry is going to retire question how high on your guys's list is antoine winfield jr as a gopher backer as an antoine winfield jr backer this one hits close to home for me and an antoine winfield guy i'm old enough to remember his father dominating for the vikings defense oh as great are you gen- as are you gentlemen slot corner fantastic yeah.
1: I'm old enough to remember Mike Tice begging him to get on a plane heading from New York City to here, Jets. and he made it happen. Uh, look, I'm going to be honest. I love Antoine Wayfield Jr. as a player. I think he'd be a great asset and he'd be a great ambassador for Minnesota football as a whole. I really don't have any interest in signing him at the price point, and here's why. I think the Vikings played three safeties out of necessity, not because Brian Flores wanted to. That's my theory. And projecting forward that they're only going to play with three safeties. And that's going to be the common place of what this defense is going to be moving forward. I think is a little bit misguided, especially with one of the things that we learned about with this uh, last playoff run, second level defenders matter a lot. Look at the teams that made the super bowl, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, two of the top linebackers in the league on the other side, Nick Bolton, Willie gay, Leo Chanel drew tranquil, all good to great linebackers. Second level defenders matter, and I don't think that having Josh Metellus roam around in the box, no matter how good he is, is a sustainable plan of attack. Now, do you want Metellus to be a starter at safety? Yeah, he's proven to be that good of a player. But do you want him as a quasi linebacker long term? No, you want to find linebackers who can be that that uh, next level defender on the second level that can allow you to increase your, the dynamic of your blitz package that can allow you to run more dynamic coverages because of their athleticism. Like if this team had 2017 Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, I think this defense could be super bowl caliber because of what they would be able to offer you in terms of athleticism, in terms of skill and coverage and in terms of what you can ask them to do. Cause you could ask those guys to line up in the a gap and they could bail out into deep coverage you're not asking Jordan Hicks and Ivan Pace Jr. to do that. And to me, that's the difference between this defense being where it's at and taking it to a whole nother level. So I don't think adding a safety to an already really good safety room, even if you take out Lewis and Harrison Smith, you still have Josh Mantellis, Cam Bynum, two very good starters who finished top five in Pro Bowl balloting. And you have Theo Jackson who emerges as a really nice player and you still have the wild card with Lewis scene. Maybe he develops into something. Now that he's going to be two years away from that devastating leg injury. Maybe he's absolutely nothing, but you at least have that as your safety for to potentially become something. So I'm out. I'd rather sign a dynamic defensive lineman or two really good ones to be able to fortify a unit that desperately, desperately needs it.
0: First of all, it's too much money. So yeah, yeah. But I mean, I love the thought process. Um, sadly, and and look, um, uh, uh, Jeff Gladney dying is unbelievably sad. But keep in mind, the Vikings in the Justin Jefferson draft had a chance to take Antoine Winfield Jr. with their second first round pick, and they took Gladney. Now there are a few guys that they passed on with that pick, but mm-hmm. but we all knew. Everyone in on on the show had watched a ton of Antoine Jr the vikings were at a bunch of his games and you watched him and you said that is an instinctive incredible the, the only thing that might trump his football playing is his football savvy i mean he was a, he's a carbon copy if not better th- than the old man who is was a phenomenal player the thing that intrigued me, intrigues me would be this uh tuan junior can play safety but he also has played some like the old man in the slot Mm-hmm. So if I could play him in the slot and kick Byron Murphy Jr. or wh- whoever's in that role outside, that might intrigue me. But financially, this team needs so much help. Uh, in in my opinion, it's a non-starter, but I have loved that kid since college. I think we all have. I mean, just a pleasure to watch. What He had two huge plays in back-to-back years against Fresno State, right? I mean, yep. yeah. just his his style of play. I mean, the old man was a treat to watch. And so is the kid. One the name. I will say
1: this before we move on. I will defend the Gladney pick for a long time because you didn't know there were any off the field issues, but the talent was there and it's for multiple reasons. It's so unfortunate that we never got to see that talent truly develop, but coming out of college loved the player, Jeff Gladney. It, and I'll say this. I don't think the Spielman uh, regime wanted to draft a kid from Minnesota. Because it puts an unfair extra layer of pressure. And a lot of teams do this. They won't draft local kids. Because it just puts an, a different level of pressure on them versus just being a normal first-round pick. But he could have handled it. You have the hometown pressure. That's not fair to a kid. But you I, just hit
0: on Rick's biggest fault. Rick thought he he understood people, and he didn't. They spent so much time time trying to vet kids, and you could tell they had no idea. Yeah. that's That was their biggest problem. That... That was their Ponder problem. Christian Ponder was incredibly book smart. and incredibly college in two and a half years. Incredibly good guy. And guess what? Unfortunately, they couldn't ascertain that none of that transferred to, to football. I agree with your hometown thing, but in this case, that kid would have had no problem. I think it's a case by case. A lot of kids can't. Tuan could have. That kid could have.
2: One name, two words before yep. we move into extra points. Jordan Newbin. Let's go looking forward you're... to watch looking forward to watching him at the next level and it won't be with the vikings i do it'll not
1: probably be that. with the packers so prepare yourself oh yeah <laughs> I mean, i'm not saying it as a troll they need a safety and it, to my knowledge he fits what they want in a safety like packers have all these weird thresholds i think he meets all of them
2: i wish every go for good luck at the nfl level except for the ones that if you're drafted whatever if you sign with the green bay packers you're dead to me. Let's get to some extra points. Get you.
1: These extra points never
2: miss. It's purple accesses extra points. Shall I start? You go ahead, Judd.
0: Here's my extra point. All right. I understand that Justin Jefferson cares about who the quarterback of the Vikings is going to be, okay? So I'm not saying, well, who cares? Just bring in anybody and have him play. QB. No, Justin Jefferson wants a good QB. And I also get that Justin Jefferson, I think, genuinely likes Kirk. But can we stop acting like whether he signs or not comes down to that? Tyler's a thousand percent right. Whatever it is contractually, and Tyler's probably right, your your explanation makes perfect sense. Like, it's not just a figure. It's how it's structured and all that. But Justin Jefferson, and, and I wrote about this, vikingswire.com you can find it does justin jefferson on his priority list as he's writing it down does he write down who is my quarterback absolutely the first two things are financial there it's going to be how much am i going and and again do not begrudge him ladies and gentlemen he's a superstar he deserves whatever he gets your career is short um it, it's uncertain he missed seven games last year okay he learned, he, he got a seven-game lesson on what it means to play without a contract that's secured beyond your rookie deal. But we need to get over this nonsense of, well, if it's not Kirk, he's gone. Or he's going to play. This, this is my last thing. This is my favorite thing, okay? Well, if it's not Kirk, he's going to play out his contract and leave. Do you really think he's going to ever take the field again without a new contract? Do you really think he's going to play on the fifth-year option after missing seven games? God forbid his knee explodes next year, and he has no guarantees left because he had a, drew a line in the sand that if he wasn't paired with Kirk Cousins, so now he's pumping gas? I mean, come on. Let's get real. This is about the Vikings compensating Justin Jefferson in a way he deems fair, and then everything else will fall into place. That's my extra point.
2: That's not fair to follow, so I'm going to force Tyler to follow that. Bravo. Well done, John. I'm just so sick of this storyline.
1: Listen, th- this is uh, one of the reasons why Dred writes for me, because you get you get these kind of really good perspectives in long form. Um, I'm going to take it a little differently. Uh, a lot of people who know me know this, and I posted it on social media the other day. Five years ago today, I almost died. And I'll never forget it. It was weird because like I was never worried. They they rushed me to the ER, and they, they're they like pumping me with all these IVs and trying to figure out what's wrong with me before I go to emergency surgery but I'll never forget the kindness that was bestowed upon me. as a 29 year old guy. Like I, I wasn't a kid. Kids would, will get like football players to come see them and stuff. No, I was gifted a visit from uh, radio announcer, Paul Allen uh, in my hospital room by nice. uh, pro football talks, Mike Florio. I don't know if he likes me sharing the story. I don't care. He's, he can come across one way on social media. He's a good hearted person and I will, I'll fight anybody on that. And I'll never forget that because it changed my life in a way that I never really understood. And within a year, I started writing about football and I started doing this. And now for the last year and a half, it's become my life and my full-time job. And I'm able to make a a living writing about football and doing this. And I share this not because I'm boastful, but I'm just incredibly thankful. And I want to share this message. If you want something just go for it. Don't wait. Like I let my mom in out of the goodness of her heart talk me out of trying to pursue broadcasting out of out of high school because she didn't want me working in some small town in Wyoming overnight making $15 an hour. But if you want something go for it and you can have anything you want and I'm lucky enough that my life is now football. I'm partnered with great people like you guys and I'm able to make my life's passion my life's work and i think that's really cool
2: mom had some insight into the business i spent uh two years in middle of nowhere south dakota when i started this jaunt which by the way i did love but yeah she's not entirely wrong where were you at ross about where you start uh the lovely town and i do mean that in all sincerity great 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 people winner south dakota
1: okay i lived in watertown for about a year really Uh,
2: wnax territory
1: Yep, I uh, I opened up that B Dub's as the kitchen manager. Believe it or not. Really? Yeah, you've
2: been
0: uh. you've you've been through a lot, man, Tyler. Yep. You've got, you've done a lot, but you know what? You you are exactly right. That's a great great message. Pursue your dreams because you'll you always get. regret it if you don't. And best case, you end up doing something like this, and it doesn't feel like work. So and you're be, so right. Be
1: kind to people. I didn't deserve yes. that kindness because I was I was an I was a full fledged adult, but I got it and it changed my life. And you okay. never know what you could do for somebody, or a dog. Adopt from a rescue, please and thank you. Yep. Love
2: I love it. that we get impassioned Judd on Justin Jefferson. We get impassioned Tyler letting us into his what life, you telling his story. And all I got for you is 2024 will be the final year P.J. Fleck coaches the University of Minnesota. Okay. He will They'll never in. get rid of him. He's he going will... to have to leave on his own. Yep. So he'll leave? He will cash in and move on like he tried to do this past weekend to UCLA. Or at some point, uh, my, my hunch is he cashes in and moves on. Uh, Tyler, I would never say never. Even at Minnesota, if you start having a couple seasons where you're not going to bowl games or you're backing into bowl games, when the buyout's right, they'll move on. But I got I got a hunch if they're 7-5 and five or better and anybody with more NIL money, a bigger assistant pool comes calling, he'll be out of here. This why will did be the get, final year, PJ why, Flack coaches the Gophers.
0: Why did we act like the UCLA job m- might have been a step
2: up? That I don't LA. get. That I okay. there are boosters
1: that want to be involved in the program that aren't. Okay, to my knowledge, he was the one reported, but he was just on a list of like twelve to twenty guys. Okay, I believe they got their guy. I mean, Deshaun Foster led them to a Rose Bowl. Like, yeah.
2: He's also substantially cheaper than who else was on that list and much like most universities we love to think that all these universities are flush with cash most are not in the athletic departments they're robbing Peter to pay Paul so at the end of the day it's not a bad deal for UCLA to get one of theirs but I I do believe it and again on the PJ Fleck thing I like PJ I I always tell people on the scale of like one to 10 I'm more of a six or seven I lean more towards liking than disliking but logically this will be year eight you're eight? You're not going to be here forever unless you're competing at an incredibly high level. Eventually, the message gets stale. The fan base, what fan base there is, gets a little restless. It's it's just time. I actually thought UCLA, although the timing would have stunk for the Gophers, was a great jumping off point for him had they been able to make it work.
0: College football has changed, is changing, I should say. It hasn't changed. It is changing so much that I, I'm with Tyler a bit here. I think it would take I think you would have to go in the absolute toilet. And plus the, the big 10 being back as one conference. Now it's just going to be this ridiculous boon. You know? So we, I I don't know,
1: man. Listen, I'll say this, the new big 10 money that's coming in. Nobody's going to want to leave the big 10 unless they're going to the SEC or another school in the (laughs) big 10. You're not going to jump off to, Hey, I'm going to go to Stanford, right? Stanford's in the ACC. They're not bringing in big money. Like, right. these are the creme de la creme jobs as far as financial stability as far as being able to have assets to help you uh, succeed now dinky town is nil they still need to mm-hmm. kind of figure out their own stuff they're not going to be able to compete with the ohio states of the world that that's just a fact it's right. it just kind of is what it is until we get regulations for how this process can happen we're not going to be able to really understand but you know what if Fleck can keep his own guys and they can develop within and they can find diamonds in the rough like they have previously. I mean, Rashad Bateman was a three star recruit drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. You can find a few of those guys, you can make a difference. And like this, it's not like this team is super far off, but I will say Fleck needs to learn how to manage in the game. That's, that's oh, if you can fix that, this team can go like through the roof.
2: Kyle. It's the in game think...
1: management that's just, it's, look for lack of a better term it's utter crap it's yeah. it's yeah. so bad yeah. i can trust a 10 year old playing madden to do better
2: Ken. well it goes back to my theory which i say facetiously but mildly seriously every nfl and college coach should have to go through madden or now uh ea sports college football 25 game management of how to use <sighs> timeouts and how to and how to call plays tyler oh. uh, uh i'll uh i'll jokingly argue with you on one thing the Gophers can compete with Ohio State and NIL if you keep eating parlor burgers and drinking all that NIL beer. I'm putting it on you. If you drink all that NIL beer, we can get anybody we want, Tyler.
1: Look, if my wife's listening to this, she will go. I think She thinks the parlor burger is one of the greatest things God's ever it's made. It's a good burger. It is it's really
2: a good burger. burger. I'm not going to debate burger. that. It's a great burger. It's a great burger. That's all I got. I just think he's not going right. to be here for 10, 15 years winning seven or eight games every year. That's not going to happen. So Sky there's, a jump, ma,
0: Roscoe. there's a Sky jumping off
2: point at some
0: you point. Ma. Thanks, boys. Uh, back next week with Chip Skaga's. A couple weeks, uh, we'll continue to talk about the draft and other various things with our guy Forno. We'll see you later.